Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and we have made it to the end of season two of The Mandalorian. Oh, my God. I cannot believe it. And I just want to start off by saying I know that we have a lot of like there's a lot of reactions about this episode out there i've been getting texts from family members being like can you explain this to me (laughs) and also family members being like oh my god that was so awesome and friends being like wow and it was just really a great journey to like not be spoiled for this episode i feel like and i feel wow i cannot believe that we're at the final end of season two i know it came quickly too quickly. Yeah, almost too quickly. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> no, I my friend who watches The Mandalorian, she watches she like binged the season 1 last year and that was like the very first Star Wars thing she watched. And so she hasn't watched any of season 2. She's going to like binge it all together again. And she was like, "How was it?" And I was like, "Well, there's a lot of opinions about it." And she's like, "Okay, don't tell me." <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> That's the thing is, I'm glad that you brought that up because this episode will serve as almost like a reaction to chapter six versus a your analysis because I think that you and I really are interested in looking back at the full picture of season two in the same way that we did with season one and almost we weren't even going to record this episode just because of the holidays and everything but I think this episode warrants its own episode just because oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but I think that last year we really benefited from seeing the full picture and being able to talk about that in, in the at the start of 2020 last year so I think that we definitely want to do something similar next year yeah yeah we do we definitely do yeah so like Charlotte said this is kind of more of a reaction I guess type of episode so I hope that is okay with all of you but we are going to be talking about chapter 16 the Rescue, which was directed by Peyton Reed and written by John Favreau. Yes. I was surprised that it was Peyton Reed. I know. Last week you were like George Lucas and I was like – I just put uh. that out into the air. <laughs> I, I actually saw that leak come through on Thursday night and I was like, okay, it makes sense. That's fine. And I think Peyton <laughs> Reed is a good uh, action director and I really – I liked his episode that was, you know, basically a horror movie. Yeah. Um, so I think that there was a lot of – moments in this episode that I thought were pretty well directed. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, I think this episode was definitely pretty action heavy and he did a good job with that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Caitlin, we don't have a summary written, so this will all be from memory. Do you think we could do a summary from memory? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I've also only watched the episode one and a half times so far. Um, like like we said, we weren't planning on doing this episode. We weren't sure if we were going to do this just because we're both uh, like in holiday crunch time right now with families and stuff like that. So <laughs> I've only watched it one and a half times. So yeah, let me see if I can do the summary. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. So we start off with our recap of the season, right? And then we we end with Din telling Gideon that, you know, you have something that's very important to me. You don't know how important and like I'm coming for him. We start off with the Imperial, right? They've got Dr. Pershing. So Din gets Dr. Pershing and they kill the other officers on board. And then they go back and they pick up Bo-Katan and uh, Koska. And there's a whole kind of standoff with Bo-Katan and uh, Boba Fett, which is very interesting and very heated. (laughs) And then we're back on Slave 1. We talk about the plan and how they're going to infiltrate uh, Gideon's – what is that ship called? Gideon's ship. And they go it's a through – cruiser. A cruiser. They go through how they're going to do that. Bo-Katan makes it very clear that the Dark Saber is hers and that Gideon is for her. And uh, so then – and then they're like, Din, you're going to go on your own and we're going to be the big distraction and then you're going to go in and get Grogu. And everyone's like, okay, cool. So they start the infiltration. We get this like great action sequence of Fennec and Pokatan and Casca going through the whole ship and uh, some really cool stuff with the man- with our Mandalorians. And at the same time, we have Din kind of infiltrating the ship on his own and going through all the motions. And uh, he ends up in front of the dark troopers and they have this big standoff, him and one dark trooper, which was a super tense scene. And uh, he throws the rest of the dark troopers out the air. <laughs> 
which I thought was intense. It was intense. It was really funny. That happened, and I was like, Gideon is not going to be happy about that. (laughs) I was like, that's a lot of money. (laughs) So then he eventually, uh, I think, Bogotan's. Uh, crew, they end up on the bridge. Gideon's not there. Din finds Gideon and Baby Yoda in like a horrible scene where the doors open and Gideon just has the dark saber over Grogu's little head, and that was too much. And then there's a duel between Din and Gideon with the dark saber and the best car staff and the best car armor. It's really intense. He finally wins. They get back to the bridge. There's this whole thing about the dark saber and giving it to Bo-Katan and Gideon like gives this great, you know, evil man speech. He's so good at it. And then a whole platoon of dark troopers arrive. No one knows what to do. They're basically going to die. And then Luke Skywalker shows up. (laughs) 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 And then (laughs) uh, there's a horribly emotional goodbye between Din and Grogu. And Grogu goes with Luke Skywalker. (laughs) After Din takes off his helmet. Din takes off his helmet and (laughs) says goodbye. And the episode ends. And then we get a post-credits scene of Boba Fett and Fennec on Tatooine with Bib Fortuna. (laughs) Taking over Jabba's palace. Taking over Jabba's palace. They kill him. They sit on – Boba Fett sits on Jabba's throne, seat of honor. And then it cuts to black and it says the book of Boba Fett coming in December 2021. Ooh, <laughs> it was a lot there. I think you did a good job from memory. That was pretty good, Galen. I think so. I mean, I think I, I think I hit I, I think I hit most of the high points. Right? Yeah, you just didn't you didn't mention R2D2 showing up too, which was also pretty emotional for me when he just like R2-D2. appeared behind Luke. I was like, what is this? This is too good to be true. <laughs> Yeah, he's hearing his little beeps. I was like, wow. I was like, I didn't know I needed R2-D2 and and Grogu together, but I think I did. I love one droid. Yeah. (laughs) His name is R2-D2. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So what did we think of the episode? Why don't we start with you? So I... I think it's weird because I, no pun intended, I have a a lukewarm reaction to this episode. Um, That being said, I am incredibly emotional about the last 10 minutes of it with Luke and Din and Grogu. I think that is like the, like one of the high points of the season for me overall. So it's weird because that is such a high moment for me. And I think I thought it was really well done too. And we'll talk more about like Luke and the goodbye and all of that later on. But the episode overall, I was like, okay, this is this is like a – they're rescuing baby Grogu. They've got to infiltrate the ship. Okay. You know? And like I thought the action was good and everything. It just – like there have been other episodes that I have thought just like worked better for me overall. Um, I don't think this episode was bad. It just – like it's not my favorite of the season, which is odd to say because it does have my favorite moments of the season. <laughs> Sometimes it'd be like that, honestly. Yeah, sometimes it'd be like that. So that's kind of my that's kind of my feelings about it. What about you? So my feelings, I really, really, really liked it. Like I think I'd give it a nine point five out of ten. And I am actually surprised that you have lukewarm feelings towards it because I feel like the tension is there. It keeps building, building, building. I think it was executed really well. I really liked the ending. I love seeing Luke. To me, it just made sense. And we could speculate all day about who was going to show up. But I think that we all knew in the back of our minds it was probably going to be Luke and how they executed it, how it how it, you know, weirdly mirrors this uh, Darth Vader Rogue One scene in a way that I know it's getting ripped apart online, but I don't, I actually feel like this sort of uh, movement from Luke is like from a place of compassion, uh, not violence, if that makes sense. And yes, I know it's a violent scene of like him ripping down droids, but hello, these droids are evil and awful. And I know that droids have sentience, I suppose, with, um, this the canon that we have but i think that they were in the most simplest sense like enemy number one in this entire episode so it makes sense to me the way that it was set up and the dramatics of it all i mean it was just really exciting for me i had a really really good time with it and i also think that yes 
it's another episode of like an infiltration, almost a heist sort of thing. But I had fun with it. I liked the 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 ladies scene of them infiltrating, like the first wave of it all. I thought the tie fighter situation was really cool. I've never seen the tie tube before. Thought that was <laughs> awesome. When I saw that, I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever." And then the fact that they used it in order to get into the ship also made sense to me. Like I liked the form and function there. I am just kind of obsessed with basically every character in the show now. And the ending with Boba Fett and Fennec with the the scene at the end, like, I think that it's kind of bizarre that we have like this advertisement, basically, and it's very Marvel-esque. But at the end of the day, I'm happy. I'm happy to see that just because I think we all know that after this season of The Mandalorian, I think a lot of us are really interested in Boba Fett when we weren't before, you know? And I... I'm like, wow, this could be really great. And I really like this idea of Boba Fett and Fennec taking over Tatooine, maybe making it better. Who knows? It's just like a whole new reborn Boba Fett. And I don't know where it's going to take us. Like, is there going to be a revisionist? Something that Caitlin and I talk about a lot is how the story of Tatooine and slavery was never really addressed. And could that be something that is explored in the book of Boba Fett? Is the book of Boba Fett season three? I don't think it is. Like from sources, it doesn't seem like it is. I feel it feels like it's a a series that they couldn't announce at the Investors Day last week. But if it is, okay. Like I don't think I feel like there's a lot more left for us to see with Din and Bo-Katan. Like hello, there's a lot to be discussed here <laughs> about that. And I, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but. Another thing that I really liked about it is I liked this sort of um, fury that we saw in in Bo-Katan when the whole Darksaber thing gets kind of messed up and she wasn't able to take it from Gideon because I think we saw a flash of who she used to be and maybe who she still is there with her connection to Death Watch and the, um, the sort of anger that sees behind her and like maybe we don't actually know her that much in this time period in The Mandalorian. And I also think that this episode presented a lot of great questions about choices and permission. And uh, I, I think that at the end of it, we saw baby Yoda, Grogu, I, it's, it's so hard for me to break that, make a choice about wanting to go to the Jedi Order, but still loving his father, Din, and looking for permission. I really liked that line. You know, yeah. he's, he's asking for your permission. And I think that it's clear that Throughout this entire season, I think we've seen Grogu like do some naughty things, get kind of close to what we would perceive as the dark side. We even see that saw that in season one, and even through the season, we didn't really see him use his powers. It really felt like it was um, kind of building to this. You know, he he used his the force for like the smallest things, but it wasn't like the for moment. Cookies. Yeah, for cookies, literally for <laughs> cookies. And it it wasn't like the moment in season one where he helped out Din with the um the mud horn, you know, it's yeah. just, it, it was different. I feel like number one, I don't think this is the last time we're going to see Grogu. I don't know if this is the last time we're going to see Luke. Um, and I don't think this is going to be the last time we see Din. I think this was just like a great emotional moment that we needed to hit this sort of separation. And I think that it opens up a lot of avenues for, I, I hesitate to use the word revisionist, but like to revisit a lot of um, things that honestly weren't necessarily addressed in the sequel trilogy that I think that we wanted to be addressed like explicitly in the sequel trilogy about attachment and like the new Jedi. And I I just feel like this, it opens up a lot of story avenues and really lights my imagination on fire. And honestly, that's probably all I can ask for, um, for a Star Wars television show at this point, like something that really excites me and ignites my imagination. Yeah, I think that, you know, talking, I think one of the big things that people have been talking about with this episode is, like, obviously Luke and the separation of Din and Grogu. And you guys listening to us have heard us say a number of times about, oh, well, like, it's going, like, perhaps this show ends with Din and Grogu together having different definitions of what it is to be Mandalorian and a Jedi, but together. And so I think it's kind of surprising for both of us to be like, okay, it makes sense for for Grogu to leave with with Luke right now because I think it that it I think it does, you know. I think that 
at the end of the day, like what, like you said, like Grogu made this choice himself. And I think that it's good that Luke came for him, right? Because Grogu was the one who sat on the seeing stone. He's the one that reached out to the force. He didn't have to do that. Ahsoka says that in her episode, you know, put him on the seeing stone. If he wants to, he'll reach out for a Jedi and maybe someone will come for him. And Grogu, Grogu made that choice himself. He reached out. Someone answered back. And you see that moment of recognition in him when Luke arrives on the cruiser, whether it's for Luke or another Force user. Like, he wants to go. And I think it's hard thinking – like, I think it's challenging with a character like Luke to think about, you know, taking Grogu in this situation versus something like taking Ben later on in the sequel trilogy and – like reconciling that these can be good and bad choices at the same time. Like it's good that Luke came for Grogu. I think it's good that he did that um, because if he didn't answer him, like Din has been saying and, and like in that, uh, that episode with Ahsoka, he's like the empire, you say the empire is gone, but they're still hunting him. <laughs> like Din has no idea what to do in this situation, what to really do with Grogu. And I think there's something really beneficial about Grogu being with a Jedi, someone who can actually communicate with him and can voice his thoughts and feelings because he hasn't been able to do that with Din. And that's not to say that their attachment and their relationship with each other isn't genuine, but there is this, they can't communicate the same way that that Grogu and Luke or Grogu and Ahsoka can. And I think that Grogu needs that. And I think when he was with Ahsoka, perhaps he realized that he needed that too. So I think, you know, he made that decision. And I think that there is a reason for that and there's purpose for that. And like Din says at the end, you know, I'll see you again. I really believe that. One of our Discord users pointed out that Din didn't give Grogu the ball, the like silver ball, and that that is almost like reason enough to believe that they'll see each other again so that Din can actually give it back to Grogu when they're reunited, which that made me super emotional. (laughs) I think that makes so much sense, though. It just like... yeah. There's still, a, I think it's, if anything, if the, if the ball does symbolize their connection, their connection is still, like, it's not complete. We didn't come full circle. Um, yeah. We're still, I think we're in this for the long haul. And I just, I'm, I'm give, telling myself to have patience with this relationship to see where it goes. Because I think if we follow this, I, I think we're going to get some really, um, interesting star wars out of it because of just i think that i think that so much of the show succeeds because of this you know awesome relationship they've built between a green puppet and a masked man and i it would be crazy for this to be the end of it and i just can't be you know it absolutely cannot be and i think we've seen a lot of people say that this this conversation mirrors anakin and shmees and in the phantom menace and it basically is like the same conversation during it i was like really emotional because of course we know that that relationship between anakin and shmee doesn't end well but we're in a new time now and why mirror it if not to improve upon it if not to revisit it and I think that this is something that the Star Wars creators, especially people like Dave Filoni, are pretty cognizant of just because of the way that these stories that we're so familiar with now from um, these creators kind of present themselves. I have a lot of faith in it. I know a lot of people, you know, there's a there's some people that don't, but I really just feel like we're in this for the long haul. I think Disney Plus like really recognizes that The Mandalorian is like the moneymaker and it would be crazy and kind of bold for them to just end it here. I just don't think this is the end. I think we're going to get some sort of um, interesting future about like what it means to take on the mantle of the mantle, the the mantle of the Mandalore. Oh my God. Now that Din has the Darksaber, which is crazy. And like, what does that all mean? It really reminded me of Jon Snow a little bit uh, in the Game of Thrones series about how he didn't necessarily want to be the ruler despite him being the rightful ruler etc 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 and i feel like we're going to get like an identity crisis and sort of reflection upon that in season three i mean hopefully just because now this that's like the the thread that needs to be addressed right this whole mandalorian piece well i just this is the thing that confuses me because when i saw the ending i immediately assumed that 
like we're done with Din and Grogu for a while, not forever, but I think done for a while and that they, that it seems like there's this intent to build an anthology. Like we have the stories of the Mandalorians. That is the show, the Mandalorian and season one and two are Din's chapters. And then season three and four are Boba's chapters. And then, you know, whoever comes next down the line. And so I think that that, I think that kind of, brought me off my high from seeing Luke, honestly, a little bit at the end, which is odd because it's such like a, a cool scene of Fennec and Boba on Tatooine. But when they showed that, I was like, wait, are we like, are we saying goodbye to Din now for season three? And I still, I'm still not I confirmed on what is going on next season. If there's going to be the Mandalorian and then the Boba Fett show happening at the same time, I don't know. So I think that has kind of that has made me um, sad <laughs> to think that Din might not be the focus next season, which I think, you know, it, it's weird because like this season has definitely reframed my opinion of the character of Boba Fett in a really positive way, which was not something I had previous to this season, like at all. So I think that it's it's really cool on that front because I do think that Boba Fett and Fennec are this really interesting duo, especially since we have Fennec in Bad Batch too, obviously with clones there. Boba Fett is a part of that whole story. Like it's a very interesting setup. So I'm very much here for that, but I also don't want to say goodbye to Din. So I'm like a little bit uh, high maintenance with my Star Wars stories right now. (laughs) I just, I don't, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's separate from like what some of the cast have said. I just feel like it's separate. I I could be totally wrong. And we're recording this on Sunday, December 20th. And tomorrow is Monday. And we might actually (laughs) get more information Monday about it. So this might be all a moot point. But it's an interesting reaction, I think, to it. Because I'm not sure if that end credit scene was actually the – like the post-credit scene was actually the smartest move. Because the episode was so emotional and ended so emotionally. And I just don't know if we had the enough cool down time before we saw this like really super cool thing but i don't know where where else it would go especially if they're separate shows that's if they're separate shows then i i really that's that's my hesitation like if they're separate shows like if they're going to be running concurrently then because december 2021 is the time slot for mandalorian next year so if they're running concurrently as separate shows i don't think i don't think it was a good move to put this end credit scene uh, here on the Mandalorian because it is like the last 10 minutes of this episode were just so emotional and you go from this like um, like sad emotion like immediately and like the whole credits you're watching like kind of processing it but then you like kind of completely shift to this like really intense like action-packed like whoa emotion and I don't know I don't know if it worked as well for me Especially not knowing specifics of what is – like if this is a different show, if it's just the next iterate – like if cha- season three of this show is going to be focused on Boba Fett or if it's something completely different. You know, I don't know. Um, I also can't say I'm thrilled to go back to Tatooine. <laughs> and but the potential is there, Caitlin, for – I get that the potential is there. I'm just not thrilled to go back to Tatooine <laughs> right now. And that's all I'll say about it. I I loved when Fennec freed the Twi'lek. I love that part. And that does give me hope for what they could actually be doing there. But um, yeah, I'm still not ready to be back on Tatooine full time. <laughs> it's fair. I definitely did groan when I saw the two sons. I'm just kind of done with it. But again, I, I'm just going to... Be a little patient. I just feel like it would be crazy if they were running concurrently. (laughs) I don't know. Hopefully we find out more information um, soon because let me tell you, when I said in the beginning of the show that I had a lot of confused family members, yeah, it's because of that. And I think a lot about like in terms of the tone that was established when um, Dave Filoni was so – there's there's several episodes of the Clone Wars that in Rebels too that um, ended with different like black screens or white screens or something and they were always um, Dave always talked about how like he never really liked how you'd have something really emotional in the Clone Wars and then it would you know fade to black and go like da-da-da-da-da-da. and yeah. it would be like a, it was a mood killer 
And for some of those things, I think Ahsoka leaves and that arc, it ended with the theme versus the like main theme, which was so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, And I I always think that you and I talk about how that was such a brilliant choice and it really did set the stage and really let you kind of sit in your tears. And I feel like something similar was done here. There was no concept art. But then we end it. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's I, what I was thinking about too. I was like, they like he was very specific about this with something like Ahsoka leaves, which is a separation too, and like that was a very cognizant choice. And so it felt odd to kind of change it this go around. Yeah, yeah. It's it it's it's weird. <laughs> it's just yeah. weird. And yeah. I think that just as Star Wars fans, we're just really unfamiliar with a post-credit scene. Yes, I think that if we're familiar with Marvel, we all know what a post-credit scene is and how it can be super exciting and and also make you feel kind of strange sometimes. Both those feelings are present. And I don't know if I love it, but I guess it's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's fun. I don't know where else it would go. Uh, it would have been cool, maybe like a web exclusive or something. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Can we return to the conversation about attachment and this choice for Grogu to go with Luke? Because I think this brings us back to the to the episode of the Jedi with Ahsoka and I've seen a lot of people online talking about how it's been it's kind of like, okay, well then why did Ahsoka say that he's too attached? He he has such a great a- attachment to you um that he is more prone to the dark side. I obviously don't have the quote right in front of me. Um, what? How do you think the episode of the Jedi links to this episode with another Jedi? I think it's kind of complicated because the thing is, again, that Grogu made this choice himself. And perhaps in his time with Gideon, he realized that he does need to understand what he's capable of. Like, I can't really imagine what he actually went through if, like, if they did try to – I can't remember if Gideon says that they actually tried to take more of his midi-chlorian count from him. I think it's something that will be an ongoing conversation in Star Wars, this idea of attachment, because we see the benefits and the pitfalls of it in multiple different characters. Anakin, of course, is the prime example of the pitfalls of attachment. But then we do have Grogu and Din, and I think that that is something that is a positive form of attachment. And I think kind of like, you know, it kind of reminds me of Ezra, right, at the end of Rebels, where we know that Ezra is so attached to his to his family, right? His biological family. We see Palpatine kind of put that temptation in front of him. And then also his uh, ghost crew family. And that attachment, that love for them spurned this really positive choice, which involved him letting go of them so that he could One, he could save them, and then we don't know what he's doing now, right? And I think that that's something similar with Din and Grogu. Like, Grogu loves Din, obviously, wants his permission to do make this big choice that involves saying goodbye. And I think that, like, for Ahsoka to say that with Din and with Din and Grogu when they were there on um, that planet, I can't, I can't think of the name of it, (laughs) but I think that that is from perhaps her own like history with the concept of attachment, her disappointment in Anakin, you know, because she still held out this hope for him, this love for him, only to find out that he had become the worst thing in the galaxy. So I'm sure that that has colored a lot of her views of attachment. And she even goes so far as to say that you should just let his powers fade away, which feels like very cynical, I think, like thinking about it more from a character like Ahsoka. But at like, Grogu needs to know what he's doing, right? You know, he has such great power and he's been trained before. And I keep coming back to the fact that he chose this for himself. This was something he wanted. If he had if he had said no, Din would never have given him to Luke. You know what I mean? And I think it's important too that in that scene, Grogu walks over to Luke. It's not Din handing him to Luke. Grogu actively walks over to him it's it's very much a personal decision and i think that that i think that this is just the ongoing conversation of attachment and the ways that it can be used for good and for bad because 
to have this i mean it's kind of like with with ahsoka's line of i'm no jedi right how we were all kind of hung up on that in that episode it's like if we cling so hard to these things like attachment like the jedi view attachment as bad but it's actually not bad and that's part of their pitfall right then that's such like a hard line in the sand when there's so much more nuance to that and i think we see characters like anakin and ahsoka and grogu and ben solo down the line like having different relationships to this word and how it benefits them and uh, doesn't benefit them. (laughs) Because like if someone like Ben had had a more positive attachment to his present rather than a negative attachment to his past, that could have changed the whole thing for him. That's why we keep saying like, let the past die when that's not actually what he needs to do. Right. And I think like, I think Ahsoka is what she tells Din in that episode. I think it's kind of cynical of her to say that, um, which I think is fair given everything that she's gone through. But for what, for all we know, she could still be searching for Ezra in this time period. So is she not attached to this goal of getting Ezra back? Like, what's the point of that for her at this juncture in the timeline, right? Is it just to fulfill a promise? Sure. But that promise is based in friendship and in love in her attachment for him. So I think... I think the choice makes sense for Grogu at the end of this. And I think it doesn't, I don't think it goes against anything. And I think that if we're looking at it from Luke's perspective, right, of course, we have this whole conversation with Luke of the Jedi Order, what kind of Jedi Order he was building, how it all fell apart with Snoke and with Ben and his whole speech in The Last Jedi about you know, how he's basically lost, the Jedi has to end. We have no idea what his Jedi Order looks like in this time period. All we know is that Luke heard a cry for help in the force and he answered it. I think it would be so much worse if he didn't come, you know, cause that means Grogu is now left alone again and the empire will still be hunting him and they would not have been saved in this moment. They would have died all of them except for Grogu. He would have been captured. And so I think it, like that's, that would be the tragic thing for Luke to not have answered Grogu's call. And again, we have no idea of what what Luke is trying to build here, if he's even at that point yet. Um, and the thing is, too, is that like what Luke does with Grogu can be a good thing. And the choices that he makes with Ben could not have been the best thing either, even though they're both tied to the Jedi, right? Like it doesn't have to be this one size fits all for how he treats Ben was bad. Ergo, we know that the decisions that he makes with Grogu are also bad. I think that that is not fair of the story to assume, especially when like a lot of time passes between all of these things. Um, and I'm kind of monologuing here about this, but um, I think I'm glad that it was Luke. I think, you know, we'll talk about this more in our season overview, but thinking about like how this really did, for better or worse, become a season of cameos. Like Luke, I think, was the most was the least intrusive of all of these cameos into the greater story. Um, like I said, I he he answered a call for help. And um, it was Grogu's call. It wasn't Din's call. It was Grogu's. And I think that that is the important thing here. Also, it makes me think of The Last Jedi just while you were talking about how Rey was begging Luke to answer the call for help, you know? Yeah. And in the end, he comes back and helps in a way that no one expected in a way that kind of defies the force and kills him in as a result. But it, that's who Luke Skywalker is someone who, you know, assists and uh, aids to the call, you know? Yeah. So of course that's how, how it's going to be. Of course he's going to respond to the call. And mm-hmm. if he didn't, I think that we'd have a really negative point of view of Luke Skywalker, especially at this point. And also not to mention Luke Skywalker is a character who defied all of his teachings, right? You know, Obi-Wan and Yoda said, you must kill Vader. And instead, his attachment for his father, his love for his father brought him back, you know? And I think that all of these things are all in conversation with each other about how we we think about Grogu's path and his own attachment. It's just like what you were saying. And I just think that that it, it was only inevitable that these two characters were like Ahsoka and Luke were going to come into their lives as we talk about this attachment piece of the story of Star Wars because of their own attachments and how 
they've all been able to, you know, Ahsoka's on her own path with that. Luke is on his uh, on his own. And yes, both these characters make mistakes and they are not infallible. And I think that all of that, I don't know. I just feel like it's all in conversation with each other and I'm really interested to see where it goes. Yeah, I think it's interesting thinking about Luke and Ahsoka specifically, especially being on opposite sides of this, you know, Ahsoka being like, don't train him, let his powers fade. And Luke actively searching for Grogu, especially considering both of their attachments to Anakin and Vader and their relationship to him. I think it's a really fascinating one just because they, like you said, Luke is the one that loved Vader and Ahsoka never could because all she could see was Anakin. But then, you know, Ahsoka knew Anakin and Luke never did. And I think it's it's such like a fascinating comparison between those two characters. And yeah, you know, Luke is building his own thing and we know he makes mistakes. And um, it's only the thing that he is when the thing that he is most attached to his family, when he fails his family, that he succumbs to like his guilt and isolates himself. It is only with that biggest extreme that he um, loses his way and um, isolates himself on Octo, right? It took the biggest extreme. And then we see Ahsoka when she is betrayed by the thing that she is attached to the most probably, like Anakin and Vader, that she, you know, utters this, I'm no Jedi, I'm going to seek revenge and let his powers fade and this whole thing. I think to assume that these characters have the same stance on things throughout their entire life is a disservice to them and to a story like Star Wars that we do get to check in with these characters at different periods in their life and see how their current circumstances are impacting them for better and for worse. Like, I think it's easy to like look at the Luke of this time and be like, this is the Luke Skywalker that I love because he's the hero right now. He, you know, blew up the Death Star of, you know, more than once. We got rid of that thing and and he's, you know, saving the galaxy. Um, so yeah, he's the hero here, but we also get to see him as not the hero when Ray meets him, of refusing the call and how upset that made Ray. Um, but that would only happen if he like fell from the greatest of heights with his family, right? We're not at that point yet. So of course here Luke is going to go and answer every call he can because that's who he is right now. He's not going to be that same person in the future. How did you feel when you – okay, number one, a couple questions. <laughs> when did you realize it was Luke? When they, two, showed, when they showed the glove. Yeah, um, me too. That's that's yeah. me, me too. I was like, oh my god, one glove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they saw his X-Wing, I was like – I thought about it and I was like, it could just be a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> It was like lowering expectations. Okay. (laughs) Then how did you feel when you realized it? And then how did you feel when you saw the green lightsaber? I was really excited. You guys know I'm one of those people. Luke and Kylo are my favorite characters. It feels like an odd combo. So I was – I was so excited to see him. Um, I thought he looked great. Uh, I know some people have been dissing the CGI, but I thought it looked really great. And I thought for sure we wouldn't see his face. And just like Tarkin in Rogue One, I was so surprised when he dropped the hood. I was like, oh, we're doing this. (laughs) We're doing this. Luke Skywalker is here with his green lightsaber. (laughs) And I thought it was so cool. And I loved his dialogue. You know, I thought he he felt very Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker. I was like, yeah, man, you know, I love that black outfit so much. <laughs> and him, you know, being like, oh, I forget what he said, but he said, you know, I'll I'll protect him with my life. And you believe that from Luke. And um, I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought he looked great. I thought his dialogue made sense. Um he gives Grogu the final choice and he takes it. What do you think about the line talent without training is nothing? I think, I think that is in line with Luke right now, honestly, because if he is building some kind of Jedi order, if he's trying to, that would make sense for what, for where he is right now in his life. And I think we see 
like Grogu does need more training because he's so young. And I think that this is a hard conversation because for so long with Rey, right? It was like, she's had no training. How is she so good in the force? Well, Rey is kind of the exception here. She's like one of the most powerful people, right? And she does herself undergo training. Like she gets herself trained to be even better than she was. And talent can come at different kind of levels, right? Like if I tried to do a backflip, I would never be able to do it. But, you know, but maybe if, like, you could train yourself to do it. I could. But like someone who I don't know is like more athletic than me, they're probably at a, a higher starting point to do a backflip than I am, right? But we both still need training. I just I I do think that it I understand people's frustration with a line like that um because I think that it comes from Honestly, a lot of like mean fans continually calling Ray a Mary Sue when um, she's not. <laughs> and we see Luke, you know, figure out how to blow up the Death Star in A New Hope with no training. Like that works for him too, right? But he still got trained later on as well. So I think that you have to you have to build up people's abilities and they can start with great ability but to be able to refine it to be able to control it is something different especially with someone like Grogu who is a child and uh, is not in complete control of his emotions I agree I feel like Star Wars sometimes I feel like we lose sight of the fact that Star Wars has always been a master and apprentice training situation like hello the prequels were all about that you know that was like almost the backbone of the relationships in the prequels uh, was the the training aspect and having to be trained. Are you too old to be trained? How long is this training going to take? Being a Padawan, being a Jedi Knight, being a master, all these different ranks. And yeah, we can get lost in that dogmatic sense of um, what the Jedi Order was in the prequels. But even still in Empire Strikes Back, Luke had, Luke's patience was so tested during that training with with Yoda and everything. So I think that in, even at the end of Return of the Jedi, I think you get a real sense that, yeah, Luke has an obligation to take in people who are force sensitive and train them so that they never feel alone, so that they can continue this legacy of the Jedi to be these myth makers, to, to be heroes in the galaxy, but also to prevent evil from spreading. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where we're at in the timeline here. And yeah, you're right. When you bring up the conversation about the very real world harassment that a lot of fans who love Ray has have received about the Mary Sue aspect, which is fully explained in the films, it, like you said, she is not a Mary Sue. And I think that it's it, it gets complicated and I understand why that would sting. But yeah. I think you're right in saying that it it, it, it does make sense at this juncture. Yeah. And I think I also agree with you about the CGI. And I don't know if it's even technically CGI. Maybe it is. I'm not sure. I think, it, I think it's face mapping. I think it's the yeah. same what they did for Rogue One. Yeah. And I I feel like I believed it. I was shocked. Um, for me, it, it was really fun not being – I said this in the beginning of the show, but it, it really fun not being spoiled. And it was like I was like out of my chair kind of guessing who it was going to be. And I've seen a lot of people say like, okay, well, you know, that that wasn't that big of a surprise. Like, you know, Luke Skywalker is Luke Skywalker. Like, who cares? Like, maybe it should have been like Mace, Mace Windu or something. And to me, I feel like Star Wars, in order – sometimes the simplest makes sense. Star Wars at its core is a really simple story. And I think that it's not – uh bad for them to not pull from like some random deep cut i think that they've done that a lot this season and it's nice i think to have this backbone of extreme familiarity you know being like oh yeah no that's luke skywalker and also just in in general i think that there's a whole group of people in outside of like the star wars fandom and like outside of the conversations that you and i are having who feel like that sort of cameo actually grounded the series in a timeline that they can fully understand. And I do yeah. feel like that's necessary with Star Wars just because honestly, yeah, it's really confusing to understand the prequel trilogy, the original trilogy, the sequel trilogy, and where everything else fits in. It's so confusing. And yeah, that's part of Star Wars, but it's kind of nice to have these kind of denotations where you can have this character that so many people grew up with that 
there's a familiarity with even if you haven't even seen the other Star Wars movies. You're like, oh, okay, that's where we are. And yeah, that's probably why his outfit is the same. And But also that outfit is fabulous and amazing. So like, thank God we have that outfit. <laughs> so good. And I also want to bring up this conversation of inevitability just because I think that Caitlin and I have talked about what is inevitable in Star Wars. And this is something that I honestly think Dave Filoni has done really well throughout his entire career with Star Wars is uh, toying at this and what is the inevitable. And it makes me think about how Anakin's, Anakin Skywalker's name is really similar to Anaki, which is, I, I could get this wrong, don't have it in front of me, but the Greek god of um, inevitability. And I just feel like sometimes in Star Wars, things are inevitable. Like if we, like I said, we could speculate who it was going to be, whether or not there's another s- string of Jedi, but I do think that this made the most sense. And I was really thrilled by it. And I, the second watch, I was sobbing. I just feel like it was so emotional. I, I loved it. I think there's this like really interesting conversation happening in fandom like about about this season as a whole and right the inevitability of it the the use of characters like Boba, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka, Luke Skywalker like it's a lot right for such a short season and I it's interesting because I like understand those critiques and to a certain extent I agree with it of like there being too much it packed into this season of like big name characters basically and like I agree with it but at the same time I've also really enjoyed all these episodes and I think that like once you brought in someone like Bo-Katan it like creates this kind of ripple effect to the inevitability right of her mentioning Ahsoka like it makes sense from a story perspective like once you bring in Bo-Katan it makes sense for her to say Ahsoka, right? And once you say, like, there aren't that many Jedi left, who's going to answer the call? It makes sense for it to be Luke Skywalker. Like, all of these things make sense from a from a story structure and from, like, who is out there in the galaxy. But I think, like, what Star Wars is perhaps running into that I don't know if it's necessarily cognizant of or maybe – I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but, like – newer fans right not having these kind of emotional attachments to these characters so that it does like the impact is not as great like you think about like we know so many people who are just fans like who just became fans in the sequel trilogy era right and so for them to like then start on this new series of like brand new characters is really exciting but then when it's like full of all of these older characters who they don't have the same kind of emotional attachment to i think that it does run the risk of like being overdone because like that was my experience with boba fett right and like i've already said that this season has really proven me wrong but even still like i recognize that 80% of my excitement for Luke Skywalker is because of my deep emotional attachment to this character. (laughs) Whereas a lot of people don't have that. And I don't know, I just, I think it's been really fascinating watching the reactions to this season with things like thinking about kind of these inevitable ends um, for these characters and going with someone like Luke Skywalker for the Jedi Order. When we know that later down the line, we want a very different definition of what the Jedi Order is, right? Like once we get into the sequel trilogy, but we're not there yet in this timeline. Like we're still with Luke as a very new Jedi master. um, If he's even taken on that title for himself right now, I think, I think like there is this kind of push and pull on the topic of inevitability in Star Wars, because you do have an entire trilogy that is based on the inevitability of Anakin's fall. (laughs) Like it's, it's kind of a calling card in Star Wars, but you also want to keep things fresh too. And this sense of, I don't know what could happen. And I think that they did accomplish that with Din and Grogu. Um, I think they accomplish both this um i know where this story is going but i'm also surprised by it and they do that through things like it being grogu's choice or for din taking off his helmet in this last moment with grogu and you know so emotional but grogu does make the choice to leave too and that is very in line with what we've seen other star wars characters do throughout the years so i think that i don't know i think this season has been such an interesting case study in 
um, Star Wars fans as a whole from like every corner of the galaxy. I think it's been really interesting. Yeah. And I actually wonder if you're right. It has been a, an interesting litmus test uh, of like how people are. It's been so fascinating to watch people's reactions to the season. And part of me thinks it's because there's not a lot of Star Wars also going on at this moment. And I wonder what the reactions to all the different series, once they're all happening concurrently, will be. And there's more to pick from. Um, whether or not this this particular series excites you versus this other one that does. And you can skip that one. Where Right now, it feels like this is really the only Star Wars that is getting a lot of attention, is the top of mind of a lot of people. And I do wonder how that's going to kind of fare in the future. And I keep getting this like feeling of for better or for worse like we're in a period of star wars right now that is feels really different from what it was like two years ago and i'm with you in fully understanding like a lot of new fans don't have the attachment to luke skywalker that you and i do and i i feel for that when maybe this 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 episode didn't really land for them and i just wonder what the future is going to bring are we kind of level setting right now in the same way we were level setting with the force awakens with the fandom who are we catering to i I hesitate some sometimes to say that we're like catering to like older fans of the original trilogy because personally i feel really catered to and I, i i actually keep coming back to that where and i i do take a little bit of offense to people who say that online just because i'm like oh okay i guess I can't like it all. I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing. I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel sometimes I feel like I'm put into a box by liking something where if I like if I like one thing, I can't like the other. And I don't necessarily feel that way. And I know a lot of people feel that way too. It's just um it's just interesting to be a Star Wars fan right now and to try to take in all these different pieces of content content is a weird word but a lot of different pieces of stories and well and criticisms too yeah and criticisms are are great i think that we should all be fostering a community of i didn't really like this this didn't work for me but i really did like this and this did work for me and actually i think that this could have been improved in in this way i think that we all need to be like really accepting of that sort of criticism that's necessary for a healthy fandom and honestly for like media literacy (laughs) you know (laughs) and I just I don't know I find you're so right about this season and I think that it'll be really fascinating to see how it ages and that's why I'm really excited to watch all in at once because it did feel in a weird way like cameo of the week but I've said this before I don't have a problem with it because these are characters I want to see again. <laughs> and I I feel like there might come a time where I'm like, ugh, I don't really care about that character. Why did they bring him back? But then it's not for me, you know? And I, I mean, I feel this way about the Ahsoka episode. It's a controversial episode, but I enjoyed it because I'm excited to, I was excited to see where Ahsoka was in, the, in, in this part of her life and as she's one of my favorite characters. And I, I feel the same way about this Luke cameo. I was thrilled. Um, and I can, I just, I've said this already, but I can't wait to see where it goes because I do have faith that it will yield something greater um, about, you know, what, what the Jedi is, what hope is, what Mandalorians are and how all these can work together because just th- this can't be the end of it unless it is and I'm I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's such a complicated thing to talk about because like when you compare like season 1 and season 2, the the cameos are like out the window, like out like it's stuffed to the brim with cameos in season 2. Whereas season 1 didn't have any, right? <laughs> Um, so I think like it's it's very extreme how they went about this season. Um, so I I recognize that like as a critique, especially knowing that a lot of these cameos have like have now been announced with their own series. And so I like I I do agree that it does like it does just feel like the Mandalorian kind of becomes like as a whole this backdoor pilot for characters like Ahsoka and Boba Fett and Bo-Katan and like even possibly even Luke Skywalker, right? Because like when you have a series, a season that's so short as like eight episodes and um, 
like over half of them have like big name characters um, and no new characters either. I think we have two new characters this season, maybe. It's just like it, it is it's kind of incredible. And I say that as someone who like the the episode with Bo-Katan, I think, was my favorite episode of the season, right? Like I say that as someone who was really invested in these characters. And I think that this season overall was way stronger than last season. But I know a lot of people, for them, it's the exact opposite because they liked not having known characters in their season in season one and for them that was the strength of season one whereas for season two I'm in the opposite I'm on the opposite side of the conversation for this one so I just I don't know I think that I do hope that in the future there is more balance between that because like I said I do think it was a little much for this season Um, so I hope that in the future it is more balanced if we're going to be bringing in a lot of other characters, um, to just kind of, I don't know, put some space between them and also make sure that we're introducing new characters because for every new character, there's a new fan that latches on and that becomes their person. And they're like, that's my person from this moment in the story. And Star Wars has always benefited from that in every iteration like every new thing that has come out of Star Wars has done that for someone. Like for so many people, it was Rey who never had any interest in Star Wars. And now like now they're going back through everything because of Rey, right? And she was a brand new character. Um, So I hope that they continue to do that. And Din and Grogu are like that for people too. So I just, I hope that, I hope that there is more balance on this front in the future. But like I said, I do think that, these story choices made sense. And I do think that Luke was the least intrusive on the story for all of these moments. Like that's the crazy thing. Like Luke Skywalker is my favorite character, but I was not paying attention to him when Din and Grogu were saying goodbye. Yes, <laughs> I was so not true. thinking was about so him at, at all. And there's like that quote, I think from like JJ Abrams where he says like, as soon as you bring Luke Skywalker into uh, the story, it becomes about him and what he's doing. And I think that, was true for the sequel trilogy, but I think that it is a testament to Din and Grogu that that was not true for me in this episode. And that's as someone who is a really big fan of this character. And for as excited as I was to see him, I was like, oh my God, what? There, he's touching his face. His helmet is off. <laughs> like I was crying, you know, like that's where my focus was. And I think that, I think if these characters can make you feel something, then the story is successful. Even if not every aspect of it was your favorite, if you still care about where these characters have ended up, if they still made a, an emotion, like elicit an emotion from you, I think that that means the story is successful. And for me, it was. Like this wasn't, like I, like I said, this wasn't my favorite episode of the season, but I still feel something for these characters. I still empathize with their journeys. I still... I'm devastated that they're separated from right now, even though I think it's the right choice. And so for me, it's a successful show. Yeah. I I think all those things can be true at the same time. You yeah. Know? yeah. I think that we can have all these conversations about like, was it too much? Did I enjoy it? And like the answer could be yes for both of those. And it's still just your opinion, you know? And I agree with you that I think that we need to kind of – put it on a smaller scale <laughs> for season three. And I think that we need some introspection with Din. And maybe now that the Jedi picture is out of the the picture, maybe we'll get that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that that is something that I wish we had had more time for in this episode, in this season of Din. I like I wonder it would have been so great to have a scene of just Din and Grogu like you know that scene where they're eating together and it's like so cute and Din like raises his helmet a little bit to eat and you see Grogu like kind of peeking under him under the helmet it would have been so great to have a scene like that at some point of Din just kind of monologuing about like you know Bo-Katan says she's Mandalorian but like she doesn't have to wear a helmet and like why do I have to wear my helmet like really got me thinking a lot of things about this creed what is honor? <laughs> yeah, I think Grogu I laid just, it all out a little bit clearer. Grogu just kind of – it would have been funny because, like, we know that Din is not the biggest talker. And it just – it would have – I think it would have been a really funny scene. And Grogu just kind of looking at him. 
like squeaking okay. or something. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> dude. And then <laughs> um, to just kind of get yeah some more time with Din reviewing everything that he's found out about his own personal journey. Um, yeah, I think that would have been. I think that would have been a really sweet scene. Me too. Me too. That would have been great. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the music of this episode because one thing that really st- stood out to me was the the theme that was very EDM of the the Dark the Trooper. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of that? It was I was like, "Whoa, we're going. I'm in the club." <laughs> yeah, I, know. It was like so <laughs> I think it was like on, on second watch a lot of things were smoother for me just because I think I wasn't so nervous or stressed or something. And this is me with star Wars all the time. Um, and I, I was like, wow, this is so intense. And I think this is another occasion of like, this was very new for star Wars for me that I just like, didn't know what my reaction was going to be. And I still am not really sure what I think about it, but I think it at the end of the, like, I think ultimately I think it was awesome because I actually did think the dark troopers were really menacing and scary. And I liked some of the, some of the 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 visual parallels between when Din was fighting one of them and he tried to burn it and it looked like General Grievous but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't getting burned you know it, it, that wasn't the final thing unlike Grievous which was his final you know ending and I I don't know I thought it was kind of cool I thought I just really felt a lot of tension and scariness for them that I didn't expect to feel because I think that they look just a little gimmicky to me. But the very fact that um, when they were like pounding on the door very slowly, almost like rock'em sock'em robots, <laughs> I was like, this is scary. I'm scared right now. And I think that uh, probably for the child audience too, who's watching this, which this show quite, got, got quite violent, let's be real. Um, I, I imagine that being really scary. And I also think that there's like a really cool visual parallel. I mentioned it in the beginning of the 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 episode about Luke in the hallway, just like Darth Vader in Rogue One. There's a lot of opinions about the that scene in this parallel, but I think it's interesting that Luke is like slicing down and murdering these evil droids that almost resemble Darth Vader and have a lot of features that are pretty similar to Vader. And it, it I don't know, it was, it was it's just interesting. It makes you think. <laughs> makes you think about a couple things. Yeah, yeah, I thought that the the dark troopers were very menacing, I thought. The whole uh when Din is going up against one of them one-on-one, it was a pretty intense fight. Um, I was really surprised at, like, how hard it was for him to kill them. <laughs> uh, and then, like I said, throwing them out the airlock was, was very funny at the end. But I will say that that was part of my frustration at the end of the episode, too, when they're all standing there, like, waiting for the platoon to come in. I'm like, Din knows that they can't win this. Like, I wanted them to be trying to think of a different option other than just standing there with their blasters pointed because Din Din fought one of them one-on-one and knew that he almost died. Like, he knows that they're not going to win this. Yeah, Um, I I was wondering why they couldn't jump to hyperspace or something. Yeah, or I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just – I was like, is no one going to suggest – something else <laughs> yeah i guess this is one of the moments where you just have to suspend your disbelief and be like okay this is happening yeah <laughs> because yeah. this is the threat and they have to overcome the threat yeah because it was like at that point when them coming through like before you knew that luke was there it was like like it kind of it was like oh you know that someone has to arrive here because you know that they can't beat them because din could barely handle one on his own um, so I do wish that had been a little different, but um, otherwise, I thought the dark the dark troop because the dark troopers were so menacing. I was like, you guys are gonna have to come up with a different plan here because <laughs> you're done for. <laughs> yeah. They charged up so fast too. I remember Doctor Pershing had been like, it'll take a couple minutes, but I felt like they charged up so lickety split. Yeah, <laughs> they did. They did. It was – I don't know. It, the, I thought the action was really well done and I thought it was well shot too. I There was a, a couple of times where I was like, oh, this is a good shot. And I don't know if I necessarily felt that way about the rest of the season. Like some of some of them I've, I've mentioned it here, but there's a couple of shots that I thought were really good. And I also – we didn't really get to talk about 
Gideon that much, but we finally got, you know, the Gideon was far, few and far between in the season. Oh, and so I was, I'm really happy that he didn't die because he's such a good villain. The entire time I was like, he better not die because he's so, he's so good. Yeah. And there's a lot more there about him. And I thought that in this final moment, I also think it's funny that in one interview that kind of went viral, uh, uh, Giancarlo's um, children were like, if your character lays a hand on baby Yoda, yeah, I, we, are, we are disowning you. And <laughs> basically did it. So it's just funny. I don't know. I loved it. I loved his he's so oh he's just he's such a good villain. I just that would be my other critique of the season is more Gideon. <laughs> um because the when he was in the chamber with Din, when he was like I forget the line, but he was basically like, assume I already know everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, thought, okay. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. He was like, I already know, and I've I know that you've used all your whistling birds. I know exactly who's on the bridge. Just assume that I already know it, okay? No surprises for me. <laughs> I like that it was like cut to the chase type of villain. I appreciate that. <laughs> it was so funny. It was so good. I love Gideon, and yeah, I'm very glad that he um he did not die, and I hope that we see more of him in the future somewhere. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that needs to wrap up our reaction episode for now. We will be talking more about this episode and The Mandalorian Season 2 as a whole in 2021, but um, I think unless there's anything else you want to mention here at the end – Oh, really? Just, wow, we finished the season. Oh, my God. We finished the season. And- Mandalorian and the Clone Wars really saved 2020 for me. So for that, I'm very thankful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Retweet that. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we've reached the end of it. So um, I guess we'll be back in December 2021 to talk about Boba Fett, Mandalorian. I don't, Din, I don't really know. But until then, you can find us online on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or our personal handles. Charlotte's is at Clarity and mine is at Caitlin Plusher. We also have our website, skytalkers.com, our Instagram and Facebook, wherever you would like to follow us, you can. Um, and if you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, we would really appreciate it because it helps other people find our show. And if you're interested in becoming a part of our super cool Discord or checking out our other reward tiers, you can head on over to our Patreon and look at other ways to support the show there too. Yes. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons. Levi, Patricia, Logan, Colin, Molly, Nanami, Catherine, Ashley, Rad, Lindsay, Lola, Froppy, Kat, Dave, Nikki, Christina, Brendan, Emma, and Lauren. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.